everyone. Thank you for joining us on another Wellness Wednesday episode with 3W. This is Helen. Again, if you haven't gotten used to my voice by now, but Wellness Wednesday is sponsored by 3W Medical, a, a medical clinic that provides free reproductive health care for services in the Seattle area. And today we're joined once again by our wonderful medical provider, Christy, and our wonderful executive assistant, Taylor. We're just going to continue our conversation from last week about vaginas. For our Vaginas 101 series, I hope you guys have enjoyed that because it's been really fun to record this. So to piggyback on last week's episodes, you know, we talked about how, you know, we talked about odors, we talked about cleaning down there, what not to do. This time, I think that we should build on that a little bit. And we're focusing on grooming practices, discharge, and what not to wear down there. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start with our medical provider, Christy, grooming practices. What are your opinions, medical advice about our hair down there? Well, Helen, thanks for having me on your show or podcast today. (laughs) This has been a great topic for me. I work in between your clinic and then my family practice, and it's a question that comes up pretty frequently with women because they really don't know what's right and what's wrong or what's trendy. Everybody wants to be attractive and clean, but a lot of my conversations will happen when they come in and they have some irritation. Okay. So I can use this as an example at, at both sites that I work at, and frequently it's confusion about what's normal discharge and why they might have a particular irritation or a rash, and oftentimes what I find is there's just a knowledge barrier about what's normal discharge and what do we do with that discharge. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that more on the last episode. But mm-hmm. as far as grooming, I frequently just tell women everything in moderation. Just the same as how we eat or the things we partake in, whether it be things for fun, exercise, could be eating, it could be drinking. Everything in moderation is how I see the body being maintained at its best health. So yeah. for grooming... I'm not opposed to it. I don't have a lot of evidence-based information. I've done some research. I know I've sent you different articles. Yes. So it's really interesting to see that oftentimes it's just trendy. Okay. It's what's popular at a particular moment. Okay. And then I think it's ironic. I sent you another article, and I'm just going to kind of contrast on these articles because one went on about completely shaving or doing Mm -hmm. Brazilian waxing, Mm -hmm. and, and then... In contrast, I found another article where a woman was losing her hair, whether it was from age or maybe there was an unidentified systemic illness. I have no idea. Yeah. But she was looking into having hair replacements. That's so, so it's, interesting. It's so interesting because we have this this situation where we're just not ever happy with what we have. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. and we have to modify it somehow. Like, Grass is always greener. Exactly. (laughs) We think the grass is greener on the other side. So a lot of the issues with irritation and redness are things that women, I think, have caused in their zeal to be really clean, have great hygienic practices, and look attractive for Mm -hmm. their partner. Mm -hmm. And so I always tell them, you know, obviously I can just advise them, give them information, and I work and partner with them to make the the best choice for them. But Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll see a topical 
dermatitis, so just an irritation. It could be a razor burn from shaving the entire area. Mm -hmm. It could be maybe something that onset a few days later or a week later with folliculitis where you're introducing bacteria when you shave. And what is that again, folliculitis? So folliculitis is a inflammation, low-grade infection of the hair follicle. Okay. And so there's a couple things I'm just going to throw out right now that I'm thinking of. Always use sharp razors. Only mm. your, use your razors. Sometimes mm. people share razors. Don't share razors. But when you share razors, <laughs> no. it seems obvious, yeah, but I know. maybe it's, not. It seems obvious, I know, but on occasion we'll even have like, you know, I've had men who might have shared a razor with a roommate and then they have a low-grade facial infection from their hair follicle. No, so don't do that. no sharing razors. And yeah. sharp is better. Otherwise, you get this burn. Don't use, again, scented products. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say I, I, I would suspect that maybe a sensitive skin shaving cream might be more beneficial than shaving without a cream. Okay. And is there a direction you should be going? You know what? I actually, that's a really good question, Helen. I've Whatever never... gets the hair off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the direction. I don't know. Like it's a tricky spot. It is a tricky spot. So should it be wet or dry? Oh, I would never do it dry. That sounds painful. <laughs> yeah. I think probably wet. Like okay. I said, with a shaving cream direction. Okay. Do you know what? I wonder if there's science out there on direction. I don't know that, I don't know but I either. think the natural would be against the grain, yeah. per yeah. se. Um, yeah. And then the problem is, is some people have more sensitive skin than others. So depending on their underwear and what they're wearing after, mm-hmm. or are they exercising a lot? Is mm-hmm. there a lot of sweat? Do they have skin folds? Are they lean? Mm-hmm. Are they heavy? There's so many different mm-hmm. factors that funnel into this issue mm-hmm. and can cause this local irritation. Okay. So with that being said, I just say, just do it in moderation. Okay. And I'm not opposed to people trimming or shaving. It's totally up to them. But okay. if they come in and they're having issues with folliculitis, which then mm-hmm. can sometimes cause hyperpigmentation because they have a little bit of a scarring that has to re- resolve oh. over time. I guess I'm confused. Can you describe to us like what this like like oh, how, folliculitis. how how will I know if I have fo- like is it bumpy? It's kind of like a bump. It's like a zit. Uh, I guess. So what's I the would difference say? between that and like an ingrown hair though? Because you you can have those and those kind of feel bumpy. Yes, I would say it. If you have an ingrown hair, then you're going to be at risk for for getting this inflammation of the hair follicle. Okay. Because, and that's the problem with shaving. Everybody's at risk to then have the hair somehow get ingrown the wrong Mm -hmm. direction and then get this irritation. And then you have this inflammatory response. So then it gets swollen and then it gets red and maybe it resolves, maybe it gets infected. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that process of healing and depending on your genetics and your immune system, you can either get more of an inflammation than another person and then you can get prolonged bumps and darkening of the skin is hyperpigmentation as a result from the whole process and in the end sometimes when I look at these people that have really extensive folliculitis or inflammation of their hair follicles they would look better had they not shaved Mm. because it's pretty extensive Mm -hmm. so you know I understand like the bikini line and things like that but 
I just happen to believe that the hair is meant to be there and there's <laughs> a, there's a level of protection it's providing. Okay. Because it can be really sensitive for women when they completely shave the area. Okay. And I have a contrasting story. And a lot of what we learn as providers is, is based on science. At least it is for me. I really love research. I love to look things up. I want to understand why I need rationale. Mm -hmm. But then we have to blend it with art and mm. kind of common sense. Because a lot of things that we do as people in human nature, we want to make our life better, but sometimes we actually are the culprit Harming causing it. the problem. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, so it's interesting to think about it that way. But I have a friend that shared a story with me, and he had a patient who had to go through some chemotherapy. She had a rectal cancer, I believe. Wow. And she lost her pubic hair, and it became an excruciating source of discomfort for her. And it's just, it's nice when you have colleagues and friends where you can share little tidbits and stories to glean mm -hmm. because as a provider, a lot of my anecdotal knowledge comes from my patient's experiences mm -hmm. that then I can relate to other situations and share with other women. So I feel like it's an important part of the normal human body to provide a, a barrier Okay. and some sort of protection. And that's why I'm just like, everything in moderation. You know, if you're going to Hawaii, you're going to go on the beach. Yeah, trim up the pubic hair so that you look great on the beach. No problem. I don't really know what to think about waxing. And then, I'm sorry, Helen, the, the more recent one we were just talking about. Sugaring. Sugaring. I was going to ask Taylor about it because I don't know much about it. Honestly, I don't know a lot about it. But I can share with you a waxing story for sure. <laughs> I want to hear a waxing story because <laughs> I have a waxing story and I am not into waxing. No, it was, uh, I did it in preparation for my wedding actually. And it was painful. I mean, it, I do waxing on my face as well. Um, there, it is a sensitive area and I know that this might be horrifying, but my friend actually recorded the experience. <laughs> And you just see my face. I'm just like, oh, this is so painful. But yes, uh, they. It's it's nice because it's it's clean down there, and it's. I think that the trouble I started having with it, though, I mean, other than it being pricey, is that as a working out, it kind of creates like the hair protects the sweatiness. Yeah. Oh. Um, and then it becomes sticky down there, and oh. um. So that was that's been my experience. Mostly great, but there you do have to be careful. Yeah. Because then you're, I'm sure, more prone to a yeast infection if you're like working out and you have nothing protecting you. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I I I still have to groom down there because I think it's just personally I don't like having. I don't like hair anywhere except on my head, really. It's <laughs> really just my own opinion. But, you know, for the people who, you know, want it down there, good for you. Because I wish I, sometimes I was more like that. <laughs> Do you know why, Christy, why the hair down there is different from the hair on our heads? Like the texture? Do you know what? I feel like I actually read something about this just with hair and how it grows there's another name for it on a science level, but I actually, I can't answer that. But That's I okay. Will, I'll look into it and maybe we can talk we can about it the... on another episode. Yeah, because it's like the hair down there seems to be softer because maybe it's protected and then the hair on our head is more coarse because it's 
more open to the elements. I don't know. Well, and it's really, I'm sorry. No, go for it. it. You know, it's interesting because when we do pediatrics and, and I had great instruction from a wonderful pediatrician in this community when I was doing my clinical rotations and Mm -hmm. you will have kiddos getting down so you can take a quick, a quick look at their genitals and their bottom just to make sure that they're nice and healthy. And we'll do something called tanner staging so that we know at what point they are in puberty, when okay. we might expect breast buds, when we might expect menses, or the surge of hormones for males. And it's just kind of another way for us also to check that sex hormones and the endocrine system is functioning normally and people wow. are developing. With the tanner staging, you will notice when the pubic hair first comes in on a child, it's really really thin, really soft. And actually, as we get older, it does become more coarse. Coarse. Um, And so it is interesting how that goes through. And I'm sure that there's a reason for that design. I couldn't answer it, but it does change over time. And that is a sign that you've progressed through the tanner stages when your pubic hair does become more coarse. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Out of curiosity, because it sounds like you've had to have this conversation with (laughs) your younger patients. Yeah. You know, I have, I have a younger sister and I remember when she was like starting to get hair down there and the insecurity that she felt. So is there some sort of wise words you would give to older siblings or parents who are having to discuss yeah, your body's changing. There's You're getting some hair. Like how to approach that conversation so that mm-hmm. there's not a lack of confidence from mm-hmm. the child. Yeah, or maybe even feeling self-conscious or embarrassed. I, mm-hmm. I'll have some kiddos be like, oh my gosh, what? You have to look at my what? You know, and and occasionally I never want to make it uncomfortable. So I always say, you know, we can defer this to the next year. It's medical. But (laughs) if kids do it routinely at every check, then it's something that becomes more normal for them. Mm -hmm. And in the place of a doctor's office visit with a participating parent, you can have a really good conversation. And so I guess that would be my answer, Taylor, is if they're going to the doctor it's nice to have that partnership and consistency with a provider that can kind of guide you through it because then it's not something to be embarrassed about. It's something that's normal and it happens. And so for me with my patients, what I find is that's the opportunity right there where I can start and help the parent because sometimes parents are uncomfortable about it Mm. because I don't think they're equipped to talk about it. And I'll just say, hey, this is Tanner staging. Why don't you guys look it up? Talk about it at home. Look at how your body is going to change and see what I'm talking about because I want them to understand why I'm doing a check of their lower body parts or their private areas or genitals or whatever you want to refer to it as so that they see that there's actually a reason behind it, that it's providing information. So I'll Mm -hmm. do a brief conversation about sex hormones and endocrine system and the stages of the tanner. And and sometimes when I've had really confused patients, I'll just pull it up. So I I haven't accumulated all of my teaching tools, but that's a great tool. Just say, like, mm. here's the tanner stages. You guys can take this home. But I always encourage my patients, yeah. here's what it's called. Go, Go home and research it. it. Because yeah. I'd love to talk to you about it all day, yeah. but feasibly I cannot. And so making it a conversation with the family of it's normal, it's natural. And honestly, I'm kind of 
an advocate to keep some hair there mm-hmm. to not have folliculitis, then you get inflamed lymph nodes and the groin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it's not just the cosmetic appearance of inflammation or infection, inflammation of the um, hair follicles. I've actually had women who have accidentally cut then a folliculitis and they have a little scar or even oh, an no. indentation. So, I mean, it goes no. all... there's. There's a, a great length, and sometimes no problem. People have yeah. no razor burn, nothing. It's just looks perfectly fine. But mm-hmm. other people can be on another end of the spectrum where they're right. super sensitive, and yeah, they have inflamed lymph nodes, and and that might be what brings them in. Like I have a lymph node in my groin, and I'm not sure why this is. And then you look at their genital area, and you go, "Wow, well your your skin is really irritated yeah. from whatever." Yeah. But again, just having the conversation that it's. It's normal. I like to incorporate stages of growth Mm -hmm. and development with my patients so that they see this is how it changes over time. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be embarrassed about it. And then really equipping my parents to be able to talk to them about appropriate grooming in moderation. But Mm -hmm. I'm always talking about moderation, not just in grooming of the genital area, but in every area of life, Mm -hmm. you know, not too much sleep. The perfect amount of sleep, a balanced Mm -hmm. amount of sleep, Mm -hmm. but also balanced activity, engaging with people. We're meant to move. We're meant to have a purpose. We're meant to commune with people, eat in moderation, drink in moderation, things like Mm -hmm. that. So it's kind of my all over focus is just, just a simple life. Yeah. Ignore a (laughs) job. And I've said that before too. (laughs) Well, well, that's, that's wonderful that you take so much time with your patients to educate them about that. And, and that's why we've been having these episodes is because we've been seeing a pattern Mm -hmm. of women in their twenties and even in their thirties, not really knowing how to, to care of themselves down there. Mm -hmm. And they come in with these you know, questions that should have been learned at a much younger stage, maybe yeah. mm-hmm. from a parent or from a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. And there's just been no education mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. surrounding that. And then they keep getting them, their vaginas inflamed or, you know, like stuff <laughs> like that, irritated, yeah. and they don't know how to fix it. And then mm-hmm. they put fragrances on it and, yeah. you know, or like, well, I learned in school how to put a condom on a banana, but I didn't learn how to avoid a yeast infection. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Or like we, you know, sometimes we have women that don't know how to wipe in the right direction. Right direction. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that, that's huge. Even adult yeah. women. Yeah. Later in life. I mean, there's deficits all across the continuum of age. It's amazing. Right. So I think it's a great topic. I probably touch on it with every mm-hmm. single patient. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. so important. You know, yeah. and in talking about more stuff down there, sometimes things end up on our underwear that we still don't know what it's called. And there's been a lot of emphasis on discharge these days. I've mm-hmm. just been reading article after article about discharge. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why there's been so m- uh, many articles focusing on it is that women are finally comfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. So, Christy, can you tell me? What is discharge? What is it made of? Why sometimes it feels like a slip and slide and then sometimes it feels like tacky glue? Like, mm-hmm. why Why is it like that? Well, it's, it's another fun topic I like to talk about. <laughs> Again, I think it's because I, you know, I didn't learn any of this growing up. Me either. either. I have to be honest. I yeah. didn't learn it. Yeah. I, didn't I didn't either. I didn't learn how to put a condom on a banana. So you're <laughs> I, I ate my banana. 
lunch, so I just ate it. That's good. <laughs> oh my Finally gosh, getting like a healthy snack. Yeah. It's cool. It's not just pizza. We get a banana. Yeah. yeah. So with, with discharge, this is really interesting because I have lots of adult women that talk about this. So from, again, all age ranges. So I try and benefit my patients by opening up a conversation to just give them some basic information. And then I kind of segue into definitely letting them know what's normal, always inviting them to come back and talk about it. Because again, Mm -hmm. I have to balance my information that I'm providing across the board tailored to what their curiosities or their pressing needs might be. But in regards to discharge, again, it's, it's, a plan. It was planned in advance. And yeah. um, it's amazing because if you track it, and actually this FEM program yes. that Lauren is doing yeah. here and yes. I'm really excited about, I can't wait to have more information so that I can plug in some of my patients because I have patients that really want to do birth control, but they have lots of hesitations. Yeah. And I won't get into details with that, Yeah, but it can cause weight gains and mood swings and acne or prevent acne. There's so many different things that it can do. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really interesting if you know the science behind discharge mm-hmm. and being able to track the patterns of your fertility. And so I'll start, I'll start kind of with just what it's made up of. Basically, it's just fluid. It's turnover of cells. I love the analogy my OBGYN taught me, which is our female reproductive system is like a self-cleaning oven Mm -hmm. and gravity and being active and upright. It just descends from our female reproductive system and we have discharge and the discharge can be increased at different times of the month. It starts to increase as you get into the puberty time and it kind of changes when women or when young girls first get their period, it takes a while to work out the quirks and have that whole feedback loop with the hormones functioning mm-hmm. appropriately mm-hmm. where things are consistent. But as they go through the month, and it's really fun when I have young girls in now, they've always got their little smartphone out and they're all about pulling up their menses app <laughs> and telling me all about it and showing me their patterns. And That's awesome that they're using it. It is. It's great. And so I encourage everybody to do that. And usually with the older women, I have to say, you need to talk to your daughter and get that yeah. because you need to track <laughs> yeah. your period so you'll know inf- more information because it tells us so much about our overall well-being mm-hmm. and... When you have the cell turnover and as you fluctuate with fluid volume, that's basically all it is. Mm -hmm. And so if you track it through your menses, you can find out when your estrogen is higher or your progestin is higher. You can figure out when you're having your fertile Mm -hmm. time. And so, again, this is another area you could probably spend a whole office or two or three talking about how to track your hormones and your fertility and your discharge. So I give them kind of the basics of just this is typically when you're fertile, on what days of their menses, how to track it. A lot of the apps teach them this on their own, Mm -hmm. but being more familiar because sometimes they'll think something's wrong with them because their discharge has changed. So I can think of a few instances where I've said, no, it's just changing because of whatever reason. We'll look at the calendar, we'll figure out where they are in their cycle, and it's typically driven by hormones. Right. And then we know when something's wrong, when it changes 
from the overall norm of a kind of white discharge. It's called physiologic leucorrhea. And again, it's just going to change from being more watery to maybe more of a creamy white to mm-hmm. then that sticky yes. egg white yes. that you're talking about. That can stretch fertile. up to like a certain measurement too. Yeah, like it's amazing. Can, yeah. And so we'll talk about that. And then I talk about not putting anything down there, like applying or feeling like you have to cover up a mm-hmm. scent Mm-hmm. Or the discharge. It makes some, it worse. It makes it worse. And yeah. a lot of times women are like, I want the discharge to stop. <laughs> and I'm like, you can't stop it. It means your body's working. Yeah. Yes. Good thing. So I'm trying to reinforce that it's natural. You shouldn't be concerned. You shouldn't be self-conscious. Don't feel like you need to douche. And honestly, I'll have frank conversations because some of it will be surrounded around relationships and Mm. them not wanting to gross out their boyfriend or whatever. And so I'll, you know, we have to have a good sense of humor and I'll just say, you know, if it's meant to be, he's just going to love the discharge. (laughs) So, you know, it's just there. It's, it's got a purpose. And, and also you can have, you know, and I want people to have open, open conversations with their partners and, and that it is normal. And, and have a conversation with your significant other, your husband or whatever, mm-hmm. about the discharge if it becomes an issue or if you have a concern. Because mm-hmm. it's totally normal. And that's what I'm trying to reinforce so that they can just lose that worry and then enjoy what's more pressing, which can be work and family and just enjoying life in mm-hmm. general. But on the other side, when it changes and it becomes a different color or it has an odor or their menses is changing somehow and they have irritation, then I talk about how it's a sign of imbalance in Mm -hmm. health. So what would the differences be? So, I mean, either way we're going to get the discharge and we're going to get like maybe some of the odor. So Mm -hmm. uh, what, what is the turning point where you think to yourself as a provider, Oh, this is not really what I should be seeing from a healthy body. This is something else. In which case someone, uh, an individual should then look for more medical advice. That is such a good question, Taylor, because often women will think, oh, this is that yeast infection that's thrown out pretty pretty popular among women mm-hmm. or on TV or or whatever. I don't watch television, so it's it's amazing how inundated people get with prescription information on the television and I feel like mm. I deal with that a lot with with people coming in oh I want this I saw this I want this and like monostat or something or, like well that? it can be monostat or any other drug but it's interesting so people will often talk about well I've just treated this yeast infection for years and it won't go away and then what we later find out is that it's maybe not a yeast infection so oh. I, I will actually plant that seed in in my conversation somewhere of saying if you have a change from the baseline, physiologic leucorrhea, meaning everybody's going to have a certain smell. Yeah. It mm-hmm. comes from your apocrine gland, or your apocrine, I can never say this, but I'll have to look back, <laughs> but we'll put it on the list. But anyways, basically your sweat glands, we all have a scent and some people might call it musky, but it will make an odor along with the turnover of the bacteria that Mm. or not the bacteria but the cell turnover and the fluid that's coming out with the discharge will take on an odor and if that odor changes dramatically Mm. um, if the discharge is thinner watery 
if it's chunky, things like that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I kind of tell women. So it's usually m- more of an odor and texture change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's those are basically the the two things that I say. And then I talk about the vaginal microbiome, just the normal bacteria that occurs naturally in balance in the vaginal mm-hmm. area and how that can become imbalanced to become a yeast infection, but how it's important to have it assessed at least to get a baseline confirmation of, yes, this is yeast, teach the patient, then maybe they can go forward and self-treat with an mm-hmm. over-the-counter. But if they have several new partners or even one new partner or something or maybe some antibiotics kind of throw um, things off throw things off you really want to help that woman discern yes this is characteristic of yeast Mm -hmm. and then moving forward they're usually equipped to manage it on their own Mm -hmm. but in the chance that it's something like bacterial vaginosis or we get a lot of that or yeah Yeah. we get a lot of bacterial vaginosis it could also be Maybe something else is going on yeah. in STI. And so those things are really important not to ignore. Mm-hmm. And I see this pattern of women wanting to constantly treat something and it can go on for a while. And so you really want to have it assessed mm-hmm. to be sure. Because mm-hmm. there's quick, easy tests that we can do. Yeah. To rule so that pretty out. much, if you have a concern about it, just come in and see one just, of our medical providers. Exactly. <laughs> also, what I'm hearing is that, like, this is why tracking, you know, discharges. So important. So important. Yeah. And I know that, and you know, I know that the FEM app does that, and there's a, probably others out there, but tracking yeah. your discharge is important because I know for myself, actually, at 26, I'm getting my first, I caught my first yeast infection when I was able to identify it because I have been tracking so long what discharge looked like. And then this was out of character. It was oh. not the right time of the month. Mm-hmm. It was different. And so as a result, I was able to think that, Clearly, there's something going on here that yeah. shouldn't be. Really wasn't concerned about it being an STD because my husband, I have a husband. So I was like, yeah, this is not normal discharge, and it's not at the right time of the month. Yeah. I should be, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, what the dry. Yeah. And sure enough, 26, <laughs> I'm finding out that... You can still get a yeast infection for the first time. That's really cool that you were able to listen to your body, though. Yeah. And be like, there's something wrong. I need Uh to go get this checked out. And you were able to feel empowered to do that versus, I don't know, putting something on it or... Or trying to cover it up. Like, I've had women that have had BV for months, you guys, months, like six months. Oh. And all they're doing is trying to cover it up. Doesn't it burn? Yeah, they're they're really, but they just tolerate it and they actually kind of get depressed because they're like, what is going on with me? And several treatments of over-the-counter yeast is not going to treat BV. Right. So I love hearing that story too, because it just shows how educational it is because you are equipped with the education and an app to apply and use your knowledge to go, hey, this is out of norm, and I need to go check this out. Yeah. So, and that's what it is. It's, it's just giving women the the tools right. and the knowledge so yeah. that they can take care of their bodies and enjoy life. Mm-hmm. That's the basic yeah. goal. Well, and if you come to 3W, the tools are free. <laughs> yeah, they are. So I there's know. just no, like, everybody wins. Yeah, Dr. Yes. Rutherford has even brought patients into the lab to look at their own yeast. Yes. It's a yeah. great experience. <laughs> it is so fun. Did you get to do that? I did. <laughs> it's, it looks, in the microscope, it looks like this little tiny 
strand of hair almost. Yes. But oh. sure enough, it is yeast. Mm-hmm. And she will identify it and she, she'll get super excited because she's <laughs> diagnosed you right then and there. Go get yes. your prescription. Yes. Have a great day. Yeah. And it's funny because the microscope, um, and they call it microscopy, when you're able to do that at the bedside, that's a really unique service to provide to women. So mm-hmm. that's an advantage also here at the clinic. Yeah. Um, it's usually really a generational thing. And again, with oh. the way medicine is, we just don't have time to yeah. mount a slide, go turn the microscope on, prep the slide, and then look into it. When you think about it, we could and save tons in healthcare dollars insurance by doing that. Yeah. So yeah. here, the, the services are free. It's an amazing clinic providing the services that we do. But on top of that, um, we can send out to confirm by lab, but we can mm-hmm. also look in the microscope. So yeah. that is really, really awesome. Yeah. 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 And it is. It's kind of a, it's a different approach to medicine because because of the time that we're allowed to spend with patients here at 3W, mm-hmm. we can go beyond the normal yeah. education well, and look under a microscope. I think yeah. for a patient, it takes away the mystery yeah. and eases the anxiety. Like, let's just look on the microscope together. I'm going to educate you. Here's a prescription. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're doing this together. I'm not going back into some mystery lab and mm-hmm. concocting something to, you know, I want to give you answers and be very transparent with what I'm seeing. Right. Yeah. And I think that's really empowering for patients, especially young patients to be like, I want to see it. Yeah. yeah. I want to know. And that has happened a lot where yeah. patients are, they're thrilled to see it because you're yeah. inviting them into a conversation about their healthcare, yeah. you're not really going to get other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a wonderful experience. Yeah, yeah. very We're, unique for sure. Yeah, all the staff here loves going to our medical providers. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the perks of working here. So, okay, one last topic is, I guess, from the both of you, what do you recommend that women not wear down there? So for me, like, I am all about cotton. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, just cotton, if you could do cotton. Okay. Um, I had a lot. I just was flooded with a really interesting case that I'm dealing with right now, and it's actually a woman post-menopausal with issues with discharge, and it's it's really pressing on her. It's really bothering her. And one of the things that I suggested she do is don't wear any underwear huh. at, to bed. Oh, oh, to okay. bed. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I was like, during the day? Though, all day. All day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Helen, that was so funny, your expression. I was like, oh wait, I mean, to bed. Minor detail. So anyways, actually, and I had a really fun lecture when I went back to grad school to become a nurse practitioner. And she specialized, ended up specializing in OBGYN. And her philosophy also was just don't wear anything to bed. Wear a nightgown, whatever. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're not going to walk around our houses naked with our children. <laughs> yes. But use wear, prudence. <laughs> yeah, use prudence. But it just gives, it's the one and only opportunity to have a real big window of time yeah. where you can just kind of leave things natural. Yeah. And you can wear boxers around the house mm-hmm. as an alternative to mm-hmm. underwear. Mm-hmm. I've had women complain of their bottom being sore from wearing what some people call T-backs or G-strings or Mm. the limited underwear to, again, this is 
in their zeal to look good in pants and yeah. not have panty lines. Mm -hmm. So I don't really, you know, I don't care what underwear people wear. I yeah. really don't. It's their choice. It's We have the free will to choose our underwear. But I do know for a fact that cotton underwear is going to breathe better. Yeah. If you're having situations where you might be really sweaty and that can be different different periods in life. It could be when you're going through menopause where women get really warm and mm -hmm. hot. Mm -hmm. Then sometimes I will tell them to get a panty liner. And this is really another interesting conversation. It kind of crosses everything we've talked about because mm -hmm. sometimes women are bothered by the discharge on their underwear. Mm -hmm. Sure. That typically doesn't happen too much until they've gone through puberty. And then it's, I would say, minimal. But then after they have a baby, and oh. this is a little change, but after they have a baby, and if you can do a quick visual of maybe a woman lying on her back and you can see the vaginal orifice or opening mm -hmm. and then behind that towards her back she's got her opening of her anus mm -hmm. there's skin or a bridge in between that right yes and that's called the perineum so when you have a baby mm -hmm. and go through the pregnancy and then the delivery that bridge or perineum of skin shortens oh and so discharge oh. is going to often increase or our bodies just don't hold it back as the, they did before. Because the opening is bigger? Because the opening not necessarily is bigger. Or but more that, relaxed? That skin is shorter. Strip. Oh. And, and things change. It can be a little bit bigger opening. It can change. The body's amazing, you guys. Yeah. Amazing design. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just, things bounce back. It does amazing things after we have babies. So it's not to say that life is over after you have a baby. It's just to say if you have an increase in discharge, sometimes it's related to that huh. whole life transition and experience. Mm -hmm. And some women after they have babies might not have that. But just it's, a, it's an area that I find that I have touched with women. Well, why do I have so much discharge now after I've had this baby? Mm -hmm. And my quick thought and common mm -hmm. sense answer is going to be, well, after you have a baby, that perineal bridge changes a little bit, discharge is not held back the same. Mm -hmm. And over time and with gravity, it will probably progressively continue. If you can yeah. think about our bodies and gravity and how things kind of fall south. Yeah. Say. And so I just, advise them just put a panty liner on yeah who cares just put a panty liner you know mm -hmm. and for me that is going to wick away moisture especially if I have a woman that's complaining about it with working out at the gym or having hot flashes or even after you have a baby you've taken on so much extra fluid volume you sweat for like weeks after you have a baby to Lovely. get rid of all of this <laughs> fluid but the amazing thing is is the body knows what it's doing. Yeah. There's a purpose behind most things that our yeah. body does. Mm -hmm. And I guess that is what you're talking about, Helen, removing that mystery yeah. so that women have more confidence mm -hmm. and can kind of let that go and be confident in their bodies and themselves right. and in relationships. Yeah. And so I will say the other thing about panty liners is I've had women who do shave and have irritation. And so you have to kind of rule out one variable versus another. Is it the shaving? Is it the waxing? Is it the underwear? Uh, mm -hmm. Or is it the panty liner? 
And mm-hmm. so I've had conversations with women too. Honestly, and this is hilarious, but I'm like, have you heard of Kotex Light Days? I mean, this is not a commercial, but it's it's a basic panty liner. And yeah. there's so many different panty liners. And I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want to say anything bad about some brands' <laughs> panty liners. But there are some that have more plastic-like component oh. to it. Mm-hmm. And that's going to hold moisture in. And the Light Day, actually, I was looking at it in the grocery store the other day. And on the box, it actually says, dermatologist recommended. Okay. So it wow. wasn't just my thought. It's actually reinforced on the box. It's simple. There's not a lot of plastic. It's cotton. Yeah. It pulls away the moisture. Okay. And if you're bothered by your discharge or you have more because of your hormonal fluctuation or whatever, mm-hmm. it's great for wicking, but also changing your underwear frequently. Don't stay in wet underwear if you're working out. Common sense, yeah. things like that. So Yeah. We heard Dr. Anyways. Rutherford say, like, you should take a shower after you're working out. Yeah, working yeah out. I feel like that there's sometimes with a certain name brand clothing, workout clothing, they're like, oh, you can just like wear it all day, athleisure. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, built so that you don't have to maybe shower oh, really? right after a workout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm just... I feel like I need a... I earned a shower after yeah. <laughs> getting all yeah. sweaty yeah. like that. Our providers here, I feel like they're very much about like, let the vagina breathe. Yes. Yeah. Let it breathe. Yeah. Like Sue yeah. or Dr. Rutherford will even say you know let it breathe after the shower yeah I mean so I'll usually walk around in my robe for a good like 30 minutes just yeah let it breathe let it dry let it air dry air dry Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I'll even say use the hair dryer yeah yes counter yes because I also will have patients as part of the irritation they'll get yeast Yep. A skin yeast or something that they're dealing with. So it can get really complicated down there. And the best thing is to not try and cover up the scent. Don't use scented products. Don't wash inside the vagina. Mm -hmm. Um, Using a mild soap with a very mild scent is fine, but you're not supposed to put anything in because it's going to throw off that microbiome or the normal balance of bacteria And so, yeah, you can do blow, but you know, I'm always really careful because you never know how people perceive information. So again, I just want to say with the hairdryer, it's like a couple feet away. Keep it away from yourself. Yeah, please don't put it right up there. You know, some people are in such a rush and and Taylor, this kind of goes off the leave your workout clothing on all day because they market it as being breathable and wicking moisture away. If there's also been people that come in that constantly wear their yoga pants or whatever because the American dream is let's just do as much as we can, as quickly as can as we can. And so oftentimes people won't take the time to just say, you know what, I deserve a quick ten minute shower. Yeah. And a five minute blow dry. (laughs) (laughs) So well it's such contradicting messaging. You can do all of this, but then you also have to do self care. Right. Where does that fit in? Exactly. Where does self-care fit in? Yeah. That is a big, big issue. Yeah. Even Especially like with, for women. Yeah. With women. Like, yeah. yeah. Exercising, taking time to taste your food, not yeah. eating it, standing up, <laughs> enjoying your coffee while yeah. it's hot. You know, it's, it's a big deal. Well, I think all of this comes down to, are you doing all of this grooming, wearing these type of underwear, worrying about this discharge, is it for you or for someone else? That's a really good question. You know, who are you really pleasing at the end of the day? Who are you trying to make it smell good for the end of the day? 
when it's supposed to just smell like you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, ladies, we are way over time. <laughs> but that was so much fun. And as you, as listeners can tell, we can just go on and on. Our bodies are so complex and it's awesome and it's beautifully made. So we're going to have to wrap this up. If if listeners would like us to go on, we will make a third episode, but you got to let me know. <laughs> so there's always so much to talk about. Let us know what you think about these topics that we're talking about. Visit our website at 3W Medical. Thank you again, Christy, for your time and your wisdom and everything in moderation, people. Yes, <laughs> a simple life. <laughs> yeah. And here at 3W, like we've been saying, we provide free reproductive health services. We approach women's health care from a holistic, patient-centered type of care. Come in. If you have questions, if you're just interested in continuing this conversation with our medical providers or even with me and Taylor, um, we'll kind of tell you what we've been doing. But please, please make an appointment. And you can find more information about us on our website, which is 3wmedical.org. That's the number three, letter W, then medical.org. And if you like what you're hearing on our podcast, again, visit our website, share it with folks, share it with your girlfriends or even with your husbands so they can appreciate what your bodies are going to, ladies. So until next time, stay healthy and be well. <laughs>